have no background of scripture at all, or really of God, or of heaven, or of the concept of eternity. So it took us quite a while to get through the verse where I thought we were kind of understanding what we were talking about. And um, in talking about eternity, I said, do you know anyone who's ever died? And she had a great grandparent. And then we got to talking about spending eternity with God in heaven forever. And she said, and that's good. And I said, yes, that's good. That's the good news. And I thought, well, that's the definition of the gospel, is that it's the good news. And so it's just a great opportunity, not only to come, but for your kids to come. And maybe the things of God's Word are really familiar to them, and it might even not seem that exciting to them, but encourage them. I was hoping they would be in here to hear this, that they had a chance to also be missionaries by coming and welcoming other children who the things of God and the things of the Bible are completely fine to. And so, um, consider that as that's coming up. Patrick and Sandy wanted to stand for those who don't know our commanders for Juana. Feel free to talk to them or to myself or anyone else you know that is helped with Juana and we'd love to visit with you about that possibility. Thank you. 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 Thank Today's uh, message is from the last part of Colossians, last part of chapter 3, into chapter 4, called Work and Life. I've entitled the story called Work and Life. And so we're finishing up today, and uh, and so it's kind of Paul's final statement to this church in Colossae, and ultimately to us on practically living out their faith, putting Jesus first. Uh, what does it mean to put Christ first? Uh, he's living in different order in chapter 3 um, about relationships. He talks about uh, marriage, and he talks about children, and then now he's talking about others. I see again from our work, uh, for students, um, our, our spirit influence that God has given each of us. It is not by accident that you are where you are at today. It is by God's divine design that you work where you work, that you are around the people that you are around, that you have the friends that you have. Um, God and His wisdom has placed you where He has placed you, like us, at the set of time of And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning, what it means to have Jesus first in my work, in my life. Before we get there, though, I'm going to, we're going to again look at where Paul begins in chapter 1. It's very important, again, that we've done this every sermon. We're going to look at it again. Chapter 1, Paul comes right out of the gate as he's writing this letter, and he's making this declaration of who Jesus is. And he makes this statement of who Christ is, ultimately to say, get that in your heart as a foundation so that you then, therefore, can be effective in life, in work, in marriage, in raising a family, and being who God has called you to be. So let's look at that. Let's go to um, Colossians 1, 15, 20. This is what Paul says about Jesus. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
Is this raining a little bit? Just a little bit of rain. Chapter into that better? Okay. That's a little bit better. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme. And we've been kind of looking at that word supreme. That means first, preeminent, ruler, the ultimate authority. This is who Paul is, what Paul is saying about Christ over all creation. That means me and you, because we are part of creation. So through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him, talking about Jesus, verse 17. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in what? He must be, and I think that's what Paul is saying. He must be first in everything. That Christianity is only understood when we go all in Christ. We say, Lord, I give you all my life, every bit of me, my 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 my, uh, my thoughts, my actions, Lord. I, I give you my day. I, I let you be ruler and supreme first in my life. Verse 19, for God in all of his fullness is pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so there's no question, there's really no debate of what Paul is saying about Jesus. He's not saying that he, yeah, he can be a part of your life. You know, if you just, you can just be in your life on Sundays when you're at church, but other than that, you know, you, you be ruler of your own life. But there, there's no question what Paul is saying about Jesus. He's saying he must be supreme, he must be supreme. He is supreme of all creation. And so then the question that we started this whole series out with questions from the beginning of time when man and the first man and woman were created is, will you allow him to be first in your life? Will you allow him to be supreme? Will he be the one on the throne or will you? And here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus will not take the throne of your heart by force. He won't push you off. He makes an invitation the gospel and the good news of Christ is He died for us to set us free from our sins, to give us life the way He intended us to live. And, and so then He also gives us this gift of free will. And just like we had Adam and Eve in the garden, God gives us this gift of free will. Will you make Him first? So I'm convinced that ultimate success in relationships and life comes when we make Jesus first. And so this must be foundational to us as followers. Put Christ in your own life, surrender to Him completely, and then out of that place, then you make Him supreme over your life, your marriage, your family, your work, your sphere of influence. So we're going to be looking specifically at that today. So here's the passage from today, Colossians 3, 22 through 46. Let's go there. Slaves obey your earthly masters in everything that you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as a reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Verse 25. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done, for God has no favorites. 
in chapter 4, verse 1, ministers, be just and fair to your place. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourself to prayer. And this is again talking to everyone with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in James. Paul writes this from prison. Very interestingly, most of his letters were written from prison. Verse 4. Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you will have the right response to everyone. And so this is actually not the, the, the end of the book. The, the, what I love about the end of the book, and if you read on, he begins to call out personal people. And we're not going to go there for the series, but I think it's important that we just kind of highlight that just for a second. Paul wants to say thanks to these individual people that have been a part of the ministry, have been a part of the mission and vision of what God has called them to do. He said, you guys are playing the part. You're doing what God has called them to do. And so he's just naming out people. And I love that because every person is important. Every one of us here, is, as believers in Jesus, we have a place, we have a vision, we have a mission, we have um, a, a, you know, something that God has called us to accomplish, each and every one of us. And just as Paul called out those names, and these are names that you know, we wouldn't hear about in Sunday school. You know, we hear David and Moses and Noah and those guys, and Dave, I'm going to Paul and, 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 and some of the, the disciples, but some of the names that he calls out, you won't hear Sunday school lessons about them. But let me pause and say every one of those names, Paul is saying, you are important. You are absolutely essential to the body of Christ and to the vision and mission. I just wanted to say that. That's how you kind of end the, the letter. So going back to this, first of all, let me just say that the God nor Paul are advocating slavery in this passage. Some people read this and they're like, is, is God somehow, is the Word of God advocating slavery? No. Uh, there was slavery at the time, but it wasn't like the slavery that was in our nation, you know, owning another human being and forcing them to do labor. There was some of that also, but what is being referred to here is the predominant workforce of the day. A lot of people didn't own their own home or their, you know, their own land, their own livestock, and so they would lease themselves out to masters to gain those things. Or if, a, if there was a wealthy landowner, they would lease themselves out to maybe have a home on their land or own some of their livestock, somewhat leasing. And so, uh, in some translations, even where it says slave is actually translated servant, because you make yourself a servant of this master. In fact, today, if you have a loan of any sort, if, you, if the bank owns your home, your car, if you have a loan, back then in those days, they would call you a slave or a servant. Does that understand what I'm saying? Because you are working, part of work and, 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 you know, and making money as you are paying your bills, right? Working for the man, right? And the, the old song. That's what that means. So the people of that day would even say, if, you, if, if the bank owns your home and you are making payments, they would say that you're somewhat a slave to that system. Does that make sense? There's no advocation of, of, of slavery in the which we have seen it the horrors of slavery in, in, in our country. And, and so I just wanted to clarify that. Some people go, well, it's got to be slavery. It's not. It's the, the, the workforce. 
So this passage defined in contemporary terms would be employee-employer relationships. So that's how we'll refer to it at this point. So let's look at this passage once again. Let's go to the next slide, and we'll see. We'll read it like this. Employees, obey your employers in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching. Serve them sincerely because if you're rather careful, you'll go rather than for people to remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and master your service to Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done for God has no favorites. And so if Jesus is supreme in your life, if He's first, if He's your Lord and Savior, if He's on the throne of the heart, it should affect how we work, how we do school, it should affect our sphere of influence, our work and our life. Everything we do is a reflection of Him. I would love to be here today and say in all of my working environments, I live with that. Um, I can tell you in a lot of jobs I've done, and I've done, I've done a lot of different jobs, I've had some amazing people over me, supervisors that are just like, you know, they, they just you love working for these people. And I've had a couple, you know what I'm talking about, people that you would rather not work for. And it's interesting that it's easy to honor a boss that likes you, right? They, 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 they like what you do, they appreciate what you do, because we all want to be valued, we all want to be appreciated, right? And we want to, we want to be seen for what we're doing, and, and uh, there was a, you know, I, my, one, one job, I can just tell you a couple of supervisors, I had people that were over me, one factory job, I worked at Dr. Stoll, the foot care people, I worked in that factory for a while. The supervisor that I worked for in, in the uh, receiving, I worked in the receiving dock, this guy was amazing. I mean, I, I, he was just, he appreciated everything he did. If he took initiative, he would recognize you in big meetings. He would say, you know, and, and you know, Brewster did this, and he would point people out. And it was just, you came into work, and you were like, I'm ready to go. And I know what I want to work for. I had one of my bosses in the military was a, was a gal, um, Lieutenant Moore. She was phenomenal. I loved working for her. She was one of my favorite bosses. I mean, just recognizing you, uh, honoring you in big meetings, you know, same kind of thing. Just, and you love working for these people. Then I had a boss at a hardware store that I worked at some time ago. And again, I like to say that I passed the test that I maintained a good attitude. This guy was probably, in my life, one of the most miserable human beings I've ever known. Didn't like anything that anyone did. I mean, this guy was really, really rich, and it was just, but he was just miserable. And so he was one of those guys, if you ever think of money is going to bring you happiness, it might bring you temporary happiness, but if you look at this guy's life, who had anything and everything, he was a miserable human being. And working for him was very hard. Just to ask my wife. I came home and she got to hear it. Because, you know, my dad brought me up that you work hard, that you, you, you know, at your job you work hard. And, and, and so I would try to do stuff around that hardware store and, you know, something needed to be straightened up if we were if it was not many customers, it just kind of And he never appreciated, he was angry, you know, just cursing at everything and just angry and angry, miserable. And you just, when he came in the room, you'd just go find something to do in a corner somewhere. And they just wanted to be away from him. 
And I got to do that. I got to do that again. I'd love to say that I passed the test and you know, I maintained a godly attitude. And I came home and I'm like, man, I'm just going to talk in and talk out. I'm just I'm give me my paycheck and let me out of there. That's it. I, I, that's all I'm going to give this guy. I'm not going to take initiative on anything. I'm going to be there when it's the time to be there. And I'm leaving on the time. And that's it. Give me my paycheck and let me go home. And I, I just maintained a very ungodly attitude. Because what Paul is telling us, believers in Jesus, followers in Jesus, it must be different with us. Whether they're a taskmaster or whether they're gracious, we must honor them and honor their position. And I know that's very difficult. I know it's very difficult, especially when you're in those situations where it's very hard. But God wants us to maintain a good attitude. Work willingly at whatever you as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. He says in verse 23. So that even if you have a hard person over you, you can say, Lord, I'm working for you. Your eyes are on me and I'm working for you. And I have to constantly remind myself that. But you see the part of failing the test that I just told you about. Maybe God had me there, and you know, whether or not the guy, you know, hit his knees one day and said, you know, your pure life makes me want to love Jesus, what must I do to be saved? You know, I'd love that happen for that to happen. But whether that happened or not, maybe I was there to plant seed, just to be honorable when he was not honorable. But we are working for the Lord. Because ultimately, everything we do is to the Everything we do to Jesus, right? I love what Paul says in Romans. He says, but we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And that's what he's saying. is he's kind of cross-referencing, if you will, Colossians 1, 15-20. If you live, it's for the Lord. Whatever you do, it should be for the Lord. We are alive as under the Lord. Our marriages are under the Lord. Our families are under the Lord. Our play should be as unto the Lord. When we enjoy time, our work should be as unto the Lord. Our daily routine in our life should be unto the Lord. Because it's very easy to compartmentalize our Christianity, right? I love Jesus Sunday morning. When I get out, I said, I can do whatever I want to do. He's on the throne Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday is kind of on the throne of my life. And, and don't compartmentalize your Christianity. But we, we are to reflect Him and represent Him in everything that we do. And our goal and our aim is to always be Him glory and honor. So whether they see our good deeds and they go and they glorify the Father and they bring glory to Jesus, or they see us blow it and we have the right response after we blow it, it ultimately brings glory and honor to Jesus. And so he gets he gets glory and honor when we do marriage and family his way. He gets glory and honor when we repent when we've done wrong. He gets glory and honor when we work hard. It's all for him. And how we perform in our jobs, in our school, in our sphere of influence reflects His work in us. That we represent Him every day. Paul calls us ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5. You're His representative. So that way, when we really believe that, 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 that nothing is wasted, when we get up and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be a representative of you today no matter where I go. And help me to do that with all my heart that people would 
seen. So let's get into some ways that in, in, in our sphere of influence, in our work, in our, in our, in our school, in our, in our, again, in our life. Let's look at some ways that we can reflect Jesus and how, we, how this plays out practically. So number one, let's look at first one. Keep hitting that button. It'll, it'll go. Honor those over you. Honor those over you. And I just told you it's easy. I told you my It's easy to honor when people are honorable. But the test of our heart is it, it, it comes when people are not honorable. Will we still maintain honoring their position over us? I am not talking about subjecting yourself to abuse, okay? Everybody understands that. When we talk about honor, when we, when we talk about parents, it's honoring parents. Or we're not talking about subjecting yourself to some sort of abusive treatment. Well, I just need to honor, but I'm talking about true honor. That we can honor position even if that person is not so honorable. It's also not subjecting yourself that they are, if, if, if the person over you wants you to somehow do something wrong and, or, or do something dishonest on the job to maybe, you know, shore up their bottom line and they're asking you to do something that would not, not be right and you know that in your heart this is wrong. It's not time to honoring somebody when sin is at play here. But how do we honor? Honor really is it's lifting up a person or lifting up a position. Uh, it's easy, when, especially when they're not honorable, to badmouth those who are over you. You can get in those little times where you're with other employees and, 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 and complaints start flowing and it's really easy to just got, kind of get slid, you know, slide in there, yeah, and start talking about your grievances. And next thing you know, we're bashing, we're badmouthing people over us and it should not be with us. Honor also doesn't mean that you never disagree. And I tell kids this. It's all about how we disagree. Are we disagreeing? Are we bringing up grievances in the right spirit? Does that make sense? You need to know what spirit we are of. You know, James and John, you know, they, they thought it was going to be real holy when Jesus sent all the disciples out and they said, you know, um, you know, they, they, this one place they rejected, you know, uh, what we had to say, they rejected the gospel message, should we call fire down from heaven on them? And sometimes we, we can be a little bit like that at work. We would say, you know, in this righteous indignation, we want to call fire down from heaven on our supervisors and our bosses. God, take them out. Here's what Jesus said to James and John. You don't know what spirit you are of. Be very careful. Maintain a right spirit. Honor those. Over you disagree in the right spirit. Again, it's not wrong that you even if you have a disagreement. But being a faithful follower of Jesus, it will it will get you favor. And I found this to be true. Sometimes the favor may not come with people, but if you're doing the right thing, favor always comes from God. And and God will grant you favor, but there have been situations you know, that, that I've seen even in my own life or others, and when they're doing, they're, they're living godly, they're living for Christ, that they even have favor with people. And that is a wonderful thing that God ultimately gets glory and that He, you, you grant, you, He grants you favor. Number two, 
So honor those over you. Here's another thing that we can do right and be Christ up is to be diligent. Paul says this, he says, try to please them all the time. Those that are over you. Try to please them all the time. Work hard in your duties. Don't be an employee that has to be micromanaged. They, they have to look over your shoulder. Now, there are some supervisors and bosses, they just look over your shoulder all the time. If that's the way they're wired, there's nothing you can do about that. But don't be the type of employee or worker or student that you have to be micromanaged because you're usually into something that you shouldn't be, or maybe you're lazy, or you know, that, that they have to continually prod you back to doing what you're supposed to be doing. But be diligent. Don't be a time waster. Be the kind of employee and student that, that has a reputation that can be counted on. They say, you know, this person, they work hard and we can, we can count on them. We know they're going to get the job done. We know that we can leave them to it and when we come back, the job is going to be done right. So be diligent. Work hard. Number three, have integrity. Paul says this, don't just work hard when they're watching, but all the time. It's easy to maintain a work, good work ethic when the boss is watching you all a lot or you're around. And he says, don't just do that. I mean, isn't this amazing that he wrote this way back then and it's still very pertinent to us today? Don't just work hard when the boss is around. Work hard all the time. Integrity is doing the right thing whether many are watching or no one's watching. You still go before the Lord because the Lord is my supervisor. The Lord is my is over me, and so I'm going to do the right thing. And that's why the, the, the previous one said, try to please them all the time. Try to please them all the time. In other, in other words, I, I, I want to make my boss's job easier because of the job that I'm doing. But don't just work hard when they watch it all the time. So this goes for also for self-employed people. Some people that maybe you don't have a boss, but you're, just, you're self-employed. You're just, but be fair in your dealings. Have integrity. Some people that are self-employed, they do certain things that are that lack integrity and so that they can make a little more money on the side net. I tell you what, be careful. God is watching us in our dealings. Whether no one's around or not, God is there and He watches. I love what it says about Daniel. When Daniel works, here's Daniel that is working under Nebuchadnezzar. Arguably one of the most wicked people in the Bible. What is interesting is Nebuchadnezzar finished well. That's the goal of all of our, that should be all of our goals to finish well. But Nebuchadnezzar was a wicked, godless, vicious king. Kidnapped some of these boys from Israel that were more, you know, they, were, they had a lot of wisdom, godly wisdom, and he brought them in. And Daniel was one of them, and Daniel worked under him. And it said this about Daniel's question, because Daniel had, had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit. So even when, when there was godless things going on, he could even disagree in a right spirit. He maintained an excellent spirit, but he worked under this godless king, but he maintained his integrity. And I would think that that's a part of having integrity. Have an excellent spirit. Be trustworthy. Be reliable. Be reliable. Be a blessing at work where they, again, they come in and whether they can put their hand on or not, it's, it's a blessing that you work here. 
We can rely on you. It's real easy, it's, you know, especially when we get to those sometimes jobs that we don't like, or, we, or jobs that we know that it may not be forever. You know, those temporary situations, this might be more for young people. It's like we just go in and we just kind of clock in and clock out, give me my check, let me go on my way. It should not be with those who are belong to Christ. You know what I'm talking about. Going to the past few restaurants, you know who's there that loves his job and says, I'm, I'm going to do this right, and who's there just to get a paycheck. You know, they just would rather you not be there. And, and uh, you know what I'm talking about. But for followers of Jesus, it should not be that way. Isn't it wonderful when you see somebody that's happy and you go into a situation and people are, they greet you well, even, you know, we were at Walmart, and I don't understand why there's grumpy greeters at Walmart. I'm like, somebody, uh, somebody at time needs to have a little, they need to figure out who's doing the greeting, you know, because some people that are very happy and you're like, you know, you're just glad to be at Walmart right now. Some people are getting you while they're in the you know, and, and then you have one who says, wow, that's, I don't want to be at Walmart right now. Enjoy what you do, even even if it's, if it's hard, but be a blessing. Maintain your integrity. The next one says, take initiative. Don't have to be asked to do something. If you see that it needs to be done and it's in your power to do it, do it. I'm not talking about you slipping authority over people that it's not your job to do certain things. But if it's in your power to do something, do it. Again, make those over you glad that you're there. I love that when Jesus would go into situations and he was sometimes around broken people, a lot of times around broken people. Thank God, because I was one of those. And he would go into these the homes where uh, the, and the religious people would say, you know, your, your teacher is having a meal with scummy, these scummy people. And Jesus said, that's why I'm here, that's why I came. And I think he wanted to say, if you guys realize that you're scum, maybe you would understand why I came too. But we could go into these situations with a lot of broken people. They're partying. They're, it's a very hard situation. But Jesus would control the spiritual atmosphere of the room. Wouldn't he? He'd go in there and he would engage people sitting there. People wanted to be around him. And I, I look at that and I'm like, at our workplace and our spirit influence, when we walk in because we have the Holy Spirit in us, the atmosphere should change because we're there. Not because of us, but because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Because of the Holy Spirit in us, that we go in and people say, what's different about you? Maybe they don't say it, but they think, why are you so happy? I was, I'm not going to tell you the story, and I, you know, because you might figure out who this is, but I try to be kind to people when I'm in the store. Hey, how's it going? How's your day? Um, and just be friendly to, to people. I try, try to make a, a habit of that. And uh, there's a guy that's working. He's a little bit grumpy. Uh, you know, I've had some good conversations with him, but he's a little, he's a little bit grumpy. And so I, one day I'm you know, putting my stuff up on and he said, before you ask, I'm doing something. It was hilarious. Because he's good to me asking me on and he's like, this guy's probably like, you know, this guy would just leave me alone. So maybe I'm more of a bird. Maybe that's not such a blessing. I don't know. But he's like, before you ask, I'm doing fine. And, uh, and I just kind of got a laugh out of that. But, uh, we should be the type of people that go into situations. And Paul, again, 
in 2 Corinthians 5 also, but Paul says sometimes when we encounter people that don't know Christ, sometimes we're fragrant. And they, because the Holy Spirit's working on their hearts and there's something going on, and, and you know, what, what is it about you? Peter even says, be ready to give an answer to the hope that's in you. When people see hope there, they see something in you. But Paul did say this. He said, to some of the things of death. Because they, maybe the Holy Spirit's working on them and they're just taking away from it as hard as they can. And, and the Lord's working on them and, 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 and it's actually hardening their hearts. And, so then they see a believer and you stink. And, they, and I, I've been around and I think that that would be the guy in the hardware store is, is I think that I was a stench to him. The problem is that he became to be a stink to me. And so I was just pulled away from him. And I don't have that. I don't repent for that. But we don't get to call that stop. We, we need to at least be a fragrance if possible to go in and to take initiative and to take the Holy Spirit wherever we go to really believe that He's there. And number five is this. Remember that Jesus is your ultimate boss. Paul says, remember that the master you're serving is Christ. And your boss and whoever the man is to you is not the man. Jesus is the man. So that when you go in, whether it's a good environment, bad environment, temporary environment, whatever, if you walk into that place and you say, Jesus, you are my boss. If you're self-employed, you're farming, if you're whatever you do, Jesus, you are my boss. And I want to do everything in my life to reflect and bring glory and honor to you. And that's what Paul says. Remember that the master you're serving is Christ. So when you're having one of those days or weeks or months or years, remember that Jesus is the boss. You're doing it for him. And, and this is what it says. That, that remember, Paul says, remember his reward. His reward and bonus plan is pretty amazing. Because He will bless you with peace on this earth, and, and ultimately He will He will bless us with eternal life if we're living for Him. But His retirement plan is amazing. His bonus plans are amazing, and His payback is amazing. Whether you see it from your boss or your employer, doesn't matter. Jesus, you are my boss, and I want to please you. But then Paul says this on the flip side. If you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done because God doesn't have favorites. In other words, again, God is watching. If you lack integrity, if you're doing wrong, God is watching. You will reap what you've sown. We only have one reputation. And sometimes we get paid back, not by, you know, if you're doing the right thing, maybe it's not getting a different job, but, but maybe it's just peace. Maybe it's just God brings joy into our heart that we've not had. If you also, if you, I encourage you, if you've lacked integrity, if you've lost the job for, you know, bad attitude, or you didn't work hard, and you were asked, here's the cool thing. Jesus offers new life you can repent and start again. So starting today, I'm going to live and work for the Lord. We spend a great deal of time in our workplaces. And it's an opportunity for us to shine, for Jesus to shine in us and through us, to our bosses, to our 
our co-workers, those around us. And then Paul says this to those, maybe you are over people, employer, a supervisor, a manager. Chapter 4, verse 1, says employers, supervisors, so be just and fair to your employees. Remember that you also have a master in heaven, and that's waiting. In other words, do it the right way. Oversee the right way. Do it fairly. Do it justice. Do it in humility. Lead by example those over you. And remembering that you have a master in heaven. That you, it doesn't matter how big the boss is, you're not the final boss. If you are a believer in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of the company and you're at the top of the pyramid, or the top of the flow chart, or whatever. If you say, there's one more component to this flow chart, and it's Jesus. So he's over me. He's Lord, he's supreme. And he owns it all. We will be held accountable for how we manage, how we treat those under us. So don't be a dictator, don't be power hungry, but lead in humility. We're going to stop there. Next week, actually, um, next two weeks, we're going to be talking about some vision and some uh, mission stuff in the fall. I'm actually going to tie in the end of this as it goes into it next week. But we stand, we're going to close out that today.